Hey everyone, welcome to the Industry Show. I'm your host, Nitin Bajaj, and joining me today is Amar Shokin. Amar, welcome on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. Let's start with who is Amar? Who is Amar? I'm an immigrant, migrated here to this country in 1994, mostly grew up in India. My father was in the Air Force. We lived all over the country uh, in India and then changing place, changing locations, grew up in boarding homes. And so moving to this country was a challenge, but not really in that sense. Um, I'm a father. I have two sons, a daughter, a grandfather now. My daughter has two sons, all settled in this country, and we feel this is it. We've been living in California and Los Angeles for the past 30 years, and we call this home, and hopefully continue to be home for the rest of our lives. I know for a fact you've been an extremely positive change for the community here, so thank you for doing what you do. And with that, I would love for you to tell us about Apollos and also about the Welcome Group. What is the vision, mission, and also a little bit of the size and scale of the operations? Let me take a little bit of uh, history here. We originally started the company in 1996 and it was not by design, it was by accident because largely what happened was the company that we worked with uh, refused to do our green card. And they refused to do the green card, not only the first company, but the second company refused to do our green card. And so essentially we said we're going to get started and those were the days of Y2K. And this is the year we're talking is 1996. So I'm dating myself in many ways, but it was an exciting time. And India was in forefront of everything. Indian world had just started. And my background, I used to work for HCL in India. So that was part of it, but not a whole lot of it. And Rita, my wife and I, we started the company in 1996. And then in the year 2000, nothing really happened. The whole Y2K world came and went and and nothing really happened on 1st January 2000. And we lost a whole lot of money to our clients. Suddenly they stopped paying us. Lots of our companies went bankrupt. And for those of us who remember that time, it was very difficult. And even getting a loan from the bank was very hard. As an immigrant, you can barely convince anybody that you'd be able to repay these loans. So we we said we have to do a real business. And so we ended up buying a small property in, it, it was Best Western, I believe. And first January, first week of January year was 2000. And the interesting thing was we rebranded ourselves. We reconnected with the IT services business. We got into the SAP and Oracle world and kept both companies going for a long period of time. And they both currently, the revenues of Apollos are over a hundred million. We have about seven, 800 employees here in the US and a similar number in India. In terms of hospitality, we have about 800 employees and about 14 hotels uh, across the country. Um, almost half a billion in, in real estate. So it's been fantastic for this year, for the first time in Welcome Group in, in hotel revenue, we've exceeded 100 million in revenue, which we think is, is a landmark. And 
and sometimes why do you care about the 100 million number the 100 million number is is one cares is because then it's a landmark that your business cannot die overnight which is good for the employees good for everybody in in, in where we are well amar first off hearty hearty congratulations to you i've known you pretty much since the week i got here to this country and you have continued to remain extremely humble extremely approachable and even as you speak of these huge volumes and there is this notion of yeah we did well but so i, I really is, the reason is that i think there are companies that we generally read in the newspaper have done exceptionally well people who started with us in in late 90s are billions of dollars in revenue but i think it's, it's a matter of and and part of the reason is that we we have no partners in any of our companies which was it is unique in its own ways that we did not acquire partners or we don't have any other investors other than other than family which is just me and my wife and we kept it like this because it was feasible to do it and overcome many of the challenges along the way so we saw the financial crisis in 2001 every 10 years we see major crisis right 2008 to 2010 was another major crisis and then we again we saw what happened during covid businesses were affected I, i at least all the hotels were completely shut down for almost 7 months we thought we would not survive it but not having to squabble or not having legal issues attached to partners really helped us keep ourselves focused and not be challenged from not to get blindsided in any way and so that has really kept us it's good and it's different this is how we saw it this is how we felt we should be doing it i really applaud both you and rita your vision and how you've stayed connected to it and the one most amazing thing about you is you have led both of these businesses to major success which is unheard of so again congratulations and kudos to both of yeah, you yeah thank you and i think it was done with a very um, strategic thing in mind what we did was when we had the it business and we uh, accidentally stumbled on the hospitality business this was when i'm talking with the year 2000 and so here comes 2001 when 911 happened again there was this whole crisis of hospitality people stopped traveling and we saw that whole meltdown happen in 2002 2003 but one good thing that happened was we realized that there was a there was an offset you could get uh, the revenues that you earned in one part of the business could be easily invested in the other part of the business and that really helped us help helped us understand both businesses and keep them growing together for a long period of time and both my now our kids are involved in the business and i hope they will take this as just a start of a journey and i hope they take it to the next level amazing it obviously takes hard work especially as you come in and as an immigrant lack of resources and many other no credit and what have you to not only be able to establish yourself in one generation grow it to the size that you have but do that in two completely different and unrelated industries i i'm in awe of you so again congrats now let's talk about 
<clears throat> as you deal with a lot of these different challenges uh, over the years things have come and gone and you've not only weathered the storm but come out stronger and ahead in each of these instances at this moment what is the one big challenge you're facing so obviously the it business is is the most challenging we've seen a significant drop in revenue the last year or so 2023 was a very challenging year year for professional services and it business and several things that have happened and it's like it, it's you can see it in every field of it one is ai is starting to is a dominant factor of what's happening over there second is increase in interest rates has had companies pull back on projects and this is driving companies with a new focus on trying to find profit within their operations so what are they going to do if they go have to find profit within their organization they have to cut back on projects that they think are non essential and if they're non essential they're holding their future uh, for the moment and then they think that okay let's try to just drive profit in our business and if they're going to drive profit it's a holding pattern which which is quite against and and technology firm that is trying to do new things and this whole um rapid adoption of cloud earlier there used to be a lot of work that used to be done on premise you needed a large number of consultants working on these projects now what is the word cloud mean the word cloud actually means india so what's happening is that everybody is taking these projects going to india whether they're in bangalore or in boston it didn't make a difference and so we have seen this rapid adoption of india as a back office and and look at the size of these companies whether it's accenture ibm or, or in for that matter any us large professional services pwc they're all having hundreds and thousands of employees in india and including oracle sap and so we were late in the game as a company we always focused on the united states we lived here we wanted to be part of this ecosystem and we had no it it is hard for indians who live in this country to go and operate in india even though we had established ourselves in india in about the year 2000 I want to say six. We had set up our first office, moving accounting, back office, recruiting, admin, HR. But we had never really focused on trying to grow uh, offshore business for our clients in India. And so I think we missed the boat in that in many ways. And I think a lot of companies who are here in the U.S. and this is one thing I want to say: if you are not taking on India. in a big way you're missing out on something which was which is essentially existential in many ways if you don't adopt that you cannot raise profitability number one number two you can't look at the next mission we over the last two years bought a company in india we have expanded our services in india here we refocused our sales team to sell offshore services currently we have about 600 employees in india we hope to grow that to 2000 over the next 2 years that's our goal mission and this is how our sales team is geared to and we'll see how we succeed um, that's one thing that we think is an exciting opportunity and a challenge too how does somebody who's based in here in the us scale up in india because we all know that it is much easier just to for a foreign multinational company to operate in india than an indian company to operate in india i don't know how 
give that distinction in a polite way, but it is much harder for a smaller mid-sized company to go to India and settle itself and hire the right kind of employee because there's a lot of backstabbing, there's a lot of difficult questions to be answered, a lot of employee issues, uh, whether it's physically or just people willing to take on your vision. It's a lot harder uh, to do that. So the we will see how this experiment works out. I'm very hopeful. I'm very optimistic and very so not only here in the IT part of it but even in in the hospitality part we have actually taken a whole lot of back office work to India all the accounting for hospitality company is being done in India all the HR is being done in India all the IT services being done in India all the websites are being done in India so we have taken as much as we can now we want to move all our sales back office work to India because these it's interesting that Marriott, IHG, and Hilton have hired thousands of employees in India doing revenue management. So uh, it, it is feasible uh, for a smaller company to take all this work offshore. And, and that can drive your profit, number one. Number two, it can also bring value to you in the long term. This is super exciting. And again, I have to applaud you for being so open about things that as you kindly put it, you didn't catch on or were a little late in. I I personally don't think so. We all work on our personal schedules. Every company has its own life and moments. But uh, again, shows your humility and how open and transparent you are in your approach. And no wonder your team loves you. Uh, and has been with you, folks. I have known yeah, most of our employees has been have been with us for more than fifteen or twenty years. Yeah. Our employee number one, two, three are still with us, and yes. we hope that they would continue. It's a good thing and a bad. It's a double-edged sword because you want new ideas to come to the company, and you want new new visions to be adopted as the next generation. Arjun, he comes on, or Adi, who comes on. I think they would need their own teams and how they would succeed and. It's hard for them to choose connect with the older part of the company. That becomes a challenge of transition, but hopefully that is something that we shall overcome with technology. And the more we adopt, the more it will be easier for, for somebody to take over. And so now we're in construction. We're building a, a hotel in Pasadena, downtown Pasadena. That's already out of the ground. The one in El Segundo was built ground up. We are looking at a couple of other projects. Construction is a big part of it. Is But borrowing has become so difficult. As you directly mentioned, it's much harder for us to find lenders who are willingly able to lend with this current mid-market crisis that's in place with smaller banks. And large banks, interestingly enough, uh, in spite of all the advertisements that you see of Wells Fargo and Bank of America and and Chase, they don't lend to small companies. They lend really at the micro level. Yeah, possible. They would give you a home loan. They would do auto loan. But if you if you really want to get a business loan, it's it's the smaller banks, uh, the community banks, uh, that that would step up. So. So true. And I want to plug our our supporter and your friend, the Bank of California, that does an amazing job at helping these small businesses and mostly immigrant founders. So kudos to them and also to to you and your team 
for showing that faith that these uh, banks are putting in these small business owners is for good reason right scaling yeah. from 0 to 100 million and beyond is a true testament of success so congratulations again and uh, thank you to ash and his team for supporting small business owners like us absolutely as a matter of fact commercial bank of california is is one of our lenders and we work very closely with them and i know ash and his whole team and they are fantastic yep now as we look forward beyond these interim challenges and uh, opportunities i want to take a moment and uh, have you look in the rearview mirror and tell us about two instances one that did not work out as you had expected became was a failure and became a lesson but then another one that took off beyond your imagination and was a success multifold than you would have expected and i know you're not the kind to to talk your own laurels but i would urge you to boast a little bit it's okay sometimes so as i was telling you one of the instant the lessons in life was as we talked about the y2k crisis and soon after that i want to just give you a little bit of so we ended up buying an asset a hotel in dallas and those were not the boom years of dallas and dallas was not a very um, it was a big city it was doing exceptionally well and and when you are starting off as an entrepreneur one of the things that you always look at price right so you want value for the money if you've collected a million dollars or you've collected 100000 you want to get the the most value you can possibly get but sometimes that value is not not in the right place it's misplaced understanding and you never learn it until you experience it so in this one particular case we bought and i want to say it was a lakinta and we converted that to a ramada limited something to that effect and the project just completely failed we were losing 100 200000 every winter and some at one instance we lost half a million and those were don't forget 2005 2006 and that was a lot of money then in that case yeah. and so we ended up selling the place a few years later at a huge loss uh, we had to write off everything because we just couldn't we just in spite of best efforts we could and one thing i learned in that was a power of brand uh in this country everything is about branding um you have to understand what is the power of brand and why you should get associated with a brand and even if you have to pay extreme premium to be associated with a brand um it's a starbucks to a regular coffee shop right why would people go to a starbucks and not Um, people would go to a specialized or specialty coffee shop for a certain period of time but if the taste move or something else happens you're too much at risk of losing everything that you have so in that case i it was a valuable lesson learned that how do you associate your dollars to a brand and if you can associate your dollars to a brand you can be successful without a lot of heartbreak and so we've never gone back from that vision of it, we have to consider the value you pay for a brand to be the only reason why you would buy a certain thing and keeping that in mind it was never it it was never a second thought 
do a pay a premium for getting something associated. So we only associated with the best and we continue to grow in that direction. And we feel that brand is a partner. We feel that brand is something that brings value to the organization, to the employees, to the organization and to everybody who's associated with it. So that was one. A lot of peace of mind too. And a lot of peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely. And the second one I'm going to say a real challenge was in the IT services business. So we became partners to SAP. And so what happened was this is this is in the mid teens, I want to say 2012, 2000. We used to resell SAP. We had a whole team. I want to say we had 30, 35 people working in, in selling, implementing SAP. We used to used to buy the software or we were implementation partners for SAP for clients. So we would have our pre-sales team and we would go out and sell to all the mid-sized companies that were here all across from Santa Barbara to San Diego. And sometimes, um, sometimes you make the mistake of thinking that everything goes on forever and you don't read the tea leaves right. And the tea leaves were, there was definitely this warning of cloud coming, Mm -hmm. that cloud will be the new thing, the cloud will be, and we used to hear about it, but we never saw it or felt it in our business, right? We said, hey, we're going to continue to get associated with these companies. We are important to them. They are important to us. Uh, There's no reason why we should we should change our business strategy. We put our head in the sand and continue to do that. And and there was plenty of work to go around. Even some of those clients are still with us. But we as a company decided we are going to terminate all the partners and we're going to go cloud. So they adopted the cloud strategy just overnight. And not only did we lose that source of revenue, but significant portion of what we used to do. And this hurt us in a big way, I, I want to say in 2016 to 2018, it's very important to understand and keep abreast of what's happening in the marketplace. Just like now we are seeing AI going to take over and many companies would think, hey, this may not affect us. This is not going to affect us. But truly speaking, it is going to affect you. You are not, you're not just on your own. You're part of this ecosystem. And so... That mistake taught us that you can never overcome or, or re, <clears throat> redo that part of it. But it did teach us that it is important to, un, to know who your brand partners are and what are they doing and what are their executives thinking and why we should follow the strategy of your bigger partner or, or incorporate that more into your business and less into your business because you are you're part of the ecosystem. And so once it went into the cloud, it was very hard to overcome that that strategy and and, and while we continue to do it, it became less and less important to us. We had to rebrand, we had to replace the entire sales team, we had to figure out whole new way of doing business once again and that's where and those are the big challenges that come and as far as every time we were faced with a challenge we said okay we're going to learn from this and try to take take lessons from this and not repeat this i think that is what so whenever there was a challenge 
we decided we are not going to repeat this. And part of the uh, decision making was because we don't have because we don't have any outside influence on our decision making, it was much easier to turn on a dime and be able to incorporate new ideas quickly and <coughs> then get stuck with the old because sometimes legacy issues really hurt you a lot more than futuristic issues. True. I don't know if you remember this, but we were talking around that time when this uh, transition was happening. I know. And what I remember is you were not worried about the revenues or what's going to happen next, which obviously people think about as you're running a fairly large team even back then. What I do remember was bothering you is people may have to change. We may, what are we going to do about the people we have? Yeah, yeah. That exceptional leadership quality that you think about your people first. And again, we have the data to prove that the people that have joined you have still stayed with you because they know you have their interest at heart. And so to me, it was very heartwarming that here you're looking at an, uh, at a possible shutdown of your entire company. To you, the most important thing is, how do I make sure my people, several of which were in the process of getting their green cards and their families depended on it. And to me, that was something I've, I've remembered and, and I will about you. So going back to the green card story, I do have to say this, and I hope there's a two minute thing for this. So I remember the first two instances where they refused. So the, the first company that I came with, they wanted to keep me on this green card and they said they had done our H1B. I had migrated from India with two kids and they were very young at that stage. I'm, I was like 30, 31 years old, two kids and and on a small salary and he refused to do a green card and I said no that's not possible like I, I can't I not have a green card and I switched the company's move to another company and that that also refused to do a green card after the years they just wanted me to work for six years before they started the green card process and then we started our company and became and this technology company we must have sponsored over 2000 green cards and most importantly, we start the green card process on the first day the employee joins us. We give them that option of, hey, if you want to do a green card, we learn from our lesson. I, we learned those sleepless nights we had when we could not get a green card. And I would, I was literally, every day we would think, okay, now we could get deported or have to go back to where we came from. And we had broken ties with what we had in India. It was important to me personally and professionally to make sure that this did not happen. And for that reason, we kept our company debt-free. We have kept our policy debt-free for the last 30 years, 25 years. And that's the only way that we were able to survive most of the challenges that we have. Grow at the cost of what you're doing, but keep yourself as debt-free as possible. That's amazing. And again, this is unheard of in this space. People will keep you for 
at least a year or two before they even start the process before they even start the process and that's why we attract so many good people who and we don't even expect them to stay with us after we have done their green card or sometimes in many cases they move on do other jobs and they come back to us and we also have another program which we started and that we hire postgraduate students from colleges so people who have done in, in computer sciences and in, in in all over the country and so we would hire them we would make them interns for 6 months and then find them positions so we every year we probably intern and train more than 100 people across wow. the country and interestingly enough the trainers are ex people who have been trained in the past and so it's train the trainer kind of a program and in, nice. it does extremely well Yeah, gives them an opportunity company. to pay it forward, so that's yeah. a good thing. Nice. Okay, so I would love to. Thanks for sharing that again. Thanks for sharing those <clears throat> historic moments and allowing me to relive some of those conversations that uh, we've had over the years. I'd love to bring us into my favorite part of the show, which we call the one-line life lessons. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to share a few of yours. I think one of the life lessons <clears throat> I want to say is that somewhere in 2007-2008, in the middle of the crisis, I took some time off from work, went to Harvard Business School, did an uh, owner president management program for about three years, and one of the lessons that we learned, and I think we we have adopted it ever since, is to see how you can work on the business rather than in the business. <clears throat> and even though we are part of the time we are in the business it is very important to have routine tasks transferred to somebody else that's how we are able to do multiple companies multiple projects find the best person that you can find in the company or hire that person and try to transition that work to him or her and make sure that once a week you do a follow up once a week you have a good understanding of what they're up to and what they want to do and what they're hoping to achieve and if you can somehow find that balance of working in the business and on the business you will you will be able to expand it's if i come back to the example of a coffee shop if you start being a barista and you start making coffee every day there's only so much you can do or if you're in a restaurant If you run a restaurant and you start being a cook and you cook food, you probably can cook a lots of good food. But if you can find somebody else to do that job equally well, uh, you may have an opportunity to start something different. I love that, and I'm a big believer on that because it also allows you to start trusting people. <clears throat> so the other life lesson was family. I think it's important to important to call it a day at five o'clock in the evening uh, and come back and be normal. Um, go for a run in the evening. Go play tennis, some tennis. I love all those things. Those were the kind of things that 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 make you who you are as as a human being. And we also try to keep. personal money away from official money so this, this was a lesson that i learned early in life don't try to think that the money in the business is your money it is in the business that's business you take a salary and you keep your personal finances as separate from company finances so no matter how much money is in the business that's if you consider that to be 
something which is separate from you it's an entity in itself it is it has a life of its own and you just draw upon what you have personally separately you would not feel the anxiousness and and difficulty of of trying to reconcile the two worlds that makes a lot of sense it's extremely hard to do especially it's very hard because when you see a lot of money early or sometimes when you see a lot of success in a certain period of time is that how do you think that the years ahead would continue to be the way they are right so sometimes it happens that you do very well in year 1 year 2 year 3 year 4 and we have seen that in the last i want to say 25 years we have seen a crisis come in from year every 7 years without fail we have a crisis at hand and it's sometimes severe sometimes it's industry changing sometimes it is it is it is it is difficult in so many ways and business is about everything right so there's not one thing uh, that affects you and don't forget i don't come from a business family my father was in the air force and we i was like an air force brat going from air force station to air force station in india and so it is very hard to make that because you always drew a salary and uh, at least your parents did and and for you to change that mindset is so much more difficult um uh, then and if you're a professional for example if you're a lawyer or you're a doctor or or having a running a practice and i see that all the time and as a matter of fact i did try to inculcate and i tell my daughter all the time she now has four practices she is a dermatologist doing exceptionally well just on tiktok she has 100000 followers she's doing she's not only doing that she's also doing a whole lot of social media too but i think what I, again it is again comes down to whether you're working on the business or in the business so if you're a doctor and you're trying to just run the practice in terms of seeing patients and not really saying okay what does this mean can i do more of these and how do i more do more of these and how that impact everything i think it is pretty this was a lesson once we understood that it was much easier to take on new projects do new things and expand on ideas and what's interesting to see is you know some of these lessons and principles stay true to time what was true 30 years ago is still true today it's still true yeah is absolutely true and i think in the in strategically also one has to also not only when you work on the business you're able to see what is the future trend once a year twice a year you have to sit down and think for yourself what is it and then sometimes we couldn't read the tea leaves as i was telling you sometimes we couldn't see what the future lies ahead and and those are the mistakes and how do you take a right turn or a left turn and try to understand okay what did we do wrong and when do you understand what you did wrong is also very important there's no way to rewind <clears throat> from where you are but i think it's it's good to always look ahead and maybe learn from your peers or who are doing exceptionally well can we follow their example there's nothing wrong in copying or nothing wrong in trying to understand what they have done right and what can be accomplished in the future and i think some of the challenges now we have and we are still learning is this whole work from home kind of a situation right most of our employees are now working from home most of us are working from home and we, that habit has not gone after covid 
how are you going to keep your teams motivated and how you can continue to expand and retain good people to be part of your team and do you really want to keep those people and so this is a lesson that we are all trying to understand and and this is come come to hand and also it also is is for you to understand what is it that is important for the company and and is that person contributing towards that and you, if you have the right incentives in place makes sense and of course these are very critical choices and decisions to make because they run through the the entire nerve system the culture of the organization and why we get together in the first place yeah that's an evolution that is happening across industries across geographies and thanks for again being open and transparent about the transitions as they are happening really appreciate it yeah thanks a lot happy to talk to you and happy new year and let's hope good things come in in small bites but also hopefully they come in bigger and knowing you they will for sure amar thank you so much for thank making the time much. to yeah, share your you. journey your story and your life lessons with us we really appreciate it thank you talk to you later thanks a lot